0: This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Rinella. Unless this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, you know that the host is sick of the bragging bruh bra hunter bullshit. I'm weary of dead and dying wildlife being used as instruments to sell products and satisfy the egos of adults with daddy issues. And I'm tired of the hunting nonprofits contributing to the biggest problems in hunting today. I believe it's long past time to restore the integrity of our cherished pastime. And I'm counting on you to steel your nerves, muster your courage, do what's right, and make a statement. Go to huntquietly.org right now and get you a Hunt Quietly shirt, hat, and bumper sticker. Either that or go make your own. I don't care either way because I'm selling the stuff at cost and I'm not making a dime off of it. As a matter of fact, Hunt Quietly has been a money losing proposition for me. If you do make your own merch, please send me a picture because I'm sure I'd find that rather heartwarming. I'm starting to have quite a collection of unaired podcasts. And I'm trying to stick to a plan of releasing them in chronological order. But I'm going to deviate that with from that with this next episode, which I recorded with my new friend, Jim Durkin, because what we discuss is some all points bulletin worthy material. If I had to buy access for myself and lock out other hunters to have a positive experience, I would have zero interest in hunting. I'd rather rather take up golf or, or metal detecting or privy digging. In terms of accomplishment and virtue, a set of antlers from a hunting lease are completely valueless. I wouldn't hack them up and feed them to my dog. This must not be how others see it because all measures indicate that numbers of leased acres are skyrocketing and companies that help hunters find a hunting lease have become a garden industry. I used to think this was an unintentional consequence of hunting TV and hunting social media serving as advertising instruments that increase the monetary value of exclusive hunting opportunity. But rather than being unintentional, I now see that it's purposeful. Have you ever had some place that you used to hunt, maybe through some kind of access program or just because you found some success and formed a connection by banging on somebody's door that all of a sudden that opportunity isn't accessible to you anymore because somebody leased up the land. I've had that happen many times. The outdoor media outlet Meat Eater and the popular digital hunting map company Onyx celebrate it when this happens to you. They write articles on how to find hunting leases. When you get locked out, it's because their readership followed their advice. What's worse, even some hunting nonprofits consider it an achievement when you lose access because somebody buys you out. The National Deer Association and the National Wild Turkey Federation have both in recent years written articles about how to lease up hunting land and lock everybody else out. And these same nonprofits, like all hunting nonprofits, are also engaged in the sham that is R3. The logic here is impossible for me to follow. Their goal is to help a small number of hunters gobble up all the access for themselves while trying to encourage more people to start hunting, even though there's no place for them to go that isn't comically overcrowded. In this episode, fellow lifelong hunter Jim Durkin and me have a wide-ranging discussion about hunting leases and hunting TV. I'm of the opinion that if you view the killing of wildlife as a legitimate source of entertainment with neutral or positive effects for your hunting, you have not put the pieces together yet. Jim sees it differently, but I'm still working on him. Jim Durkin, thank you for coming on tonight. I
1: appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Matt. I'm happy to be here.
0: You were very early in what is a growing list of people that have reached out to me. I I've had since I this is I've let I've I've aired five episodes now. Um it's kind this is gonna get confusing for people unless I start putting these episodes out out more quickly because I'm recording them then putting them out two right. or three months later. And I don't know what to do about that. I want to have a backlog of them when I go into hunting season, you know? they say yeah you don't say, want to
1: leave your listeners hanging
0: yeah yeah they say it's important to release them on a somewhat regular schedule uh so i don't know maybe i start putting out two a week but then just just so they're not so far in the future
1: at like, least once a week w- once a week for sure
0: yeah so uh yeah but anyway it's been pretty surprising I don't think I'm getting many, I don't think people, many people are listening to this podcast and I don't know if people even know about it or if it just suck if it just sucks or if they don't know about it or what, but probably 50 people a day, 40, 50 people a day, something like that. And, but I bet the percentage of listeners that reach out to me is higher than with most podcasts. Right. It's probably like five percent of people that listen to listen to this, my podcast, uh shoot me an email. And I'm sure if I got on some hunt forums and stuff like that, I'd find some venom directed at me. But it's everybody that emails me is is very supportive. So well
1: that's I. I reached out to you before, I believe, before the first episode, Aaron. I didn't even know you were doing a podcast.
0: Oh, that's right. You, that's right. You were. On, I kept a little a list, a mailing list of people that had reached out to me because of my articles and stuff like
1: that. Yeah, you were on Blood Origin a couple times, and I was listening to you, and I'm I'm like, damn, you know what? Everything he's saying is I'm kind of agreeing with. Mm-hmm. And it's it's glaringly uh true. And and then you were on Meat Eater, and then you started to get some backlash, and I'm a huge podcast guy, by the way. Uh, oh. my my previous job, I commuted 45 minutes each way, so I would just listen oh, to podcasts yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And and even when I'm at work, if I'm doing busy work or mindless work, I'll I'll listen to a podcast. But you started getting backlash and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna reach out to this dude and just tell him that there's more people, I think, that support what he's saying and agree with what he's saying than he may know.
0: Yeah. So Thank that's, you.
1: that's 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 why I did it. And
0: it's fu- it's funny. So I wrote that article about hunting social media, and I that was on the mediator website, and that that. I got some backlash from that, and 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 that hurt for sure because I'm just kind of a sensitive person. And then when I wrote this that article about hunting social media, that was on uh, the the what is it the black black rifle coffee uh, black rifle coffee what is it uh, freedom
1: something yeah yeah no I can't even remember (laughs) yeah. Freedom America or free range, America, free
0: range American. Yeah. Yeah. Then I, I started looking at the hunt forums and that was, that was mentally disturbing. Like I found myself signing up and then I'm engaging with these people on there. And it was, it was a dark, dark time for me um i just cuz i i i don't i'm not a public figure and i'm not used to people that don't know me at all having such strong neg strongly negative things to say about me it's weird reading my name in a sentence yeah where it's like not favorable you know but now it's it's weird i i think i could go on i'm sure there's stuff on the hunt forums now cuz of this podcast it's but now I, I just i I just don't care anymore somehow, I mean, I'm just not gonna look and I don't care, you know, I don't know it was I evolved to a point quite quickly where I guess I realize that being public with your viewpoint i mean it's just part and parcel of being public with your viewpoint that you're gonna get
1: well uh, yeah I, I I'm the same way i i it bothers me when somebody doesn't like me, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think when you're making waves and people are talking about it, I think whether you agree with it or disagree with it, it's probably worth listening to. And I think you have the ear of people that you're, you're talking about in many ways, and they're listening because now I'm picking up on a lot of um things that I'm hearing on different podcasts that are maybe related or unrelated to what your movement is mm. And um, so I, I think people are listening for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a start of something big. So what what are some of your favorite podcasts? um I'll listen to uh, well, I listen to I love Tony Robbins. Um, huge Tony Robbins fan. Who's that? Uh, he's uh, I don't want to say a motivational speaker, but he's like a uh, he did, did those infomercials. Um, he's just a brilliant mind. Oh, Real I'll, brilliant. I'll
0: have to,
1: I'll have to listen. I'm writing this down. Tony, yeah, Roberts. Tony Robbins. Robbins, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, Peter Atia. he's he's a medical doctor, but he also hunts. Um, I listen to you, to your podcast. Uh, that's on my rotation. Attia. Okay. Um, I'll listen to the to the meat eater. I'll listen to Ronnie's podcast. Even though I don't have a hunting dog, he's still entertaining.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. Good to know. Um, I'm familiar, obviously, with Meat Eater and with Ron's, but I, I don't know about Peter Atiyah and Tony Robbins.
1: Yeah, Peter's one of those guys that uh, he bow hunts, but he, it's not a hunting podcast. It's a, it's a he's just a, another brilliant mind, just a great person. Let's do health, longevity, nutrition. Okay. okay. Real good stuff. Real good stuff. So, t- tell me
0: about we talk, we've only talked once very briefly on the phone so and then we've gotten to know each other a little bit through email and text but yeah t- tell me your 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 story as a as an outdoorsman
1: well my story is uh grew up in western pennsylvania um went to penn state got a history degree from penn state And I just hunted locally through college. And then uh, after college, I didn't want to teach. And um, me and my wife, my then fiance, um, we moved to Alaska. And while I was in Alaska, um, went back to Alaska Pacific University and got a bachelor's degree in environmental science. And then we lived up there nearly a decade, um, and hunted and fished and got to see a lot of Alaska through my job and work. Um, I worked basically I'm environmental compliance. I've done that for 20 years. And, um, we started having kids and parents were aging and we moved back to Western Pennsylvania. And we've been here, we've been here for the last 14 years. So,
0: What's the environmental compliance work, like mining?
1: Um, not necessarily mining, although I've, I've done a couple permits. Um, it's environmental compliance, um, regulatory compliance. I've worked in the private sector. I've worked for municipalities. Uh, right now I'm in oil and gas. So
0: So you've been back in Western Pennsylvania since what year? Uh, 2006. Okay. Do you know Tom Vanesky? He's an outdoor writer in your state.
1: Tom Vanesky.
0: Yeah. He, uh, I can't say the, I do. He was just on the podcast and he, he then, after coming on the podcast, he interviewed me for, I'm trying to find this in the email now. What from him? Uh, what publication it's going to be in, so that I can put in the uh, a, a shameless plug. The Outdoor News. Do you know that publication?
1: Pennsylvania Outdoor
0: News. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I'll be in. Apparently, there'll be a my interview will be in the next.
1: That publication's been around forever. Has it? Yeah. Yeah, he writes
0: for them quite regularly, I guess. So, okay. And then what's hunting been since 2006 when you moved back?
1: Uh, I haven't been to Alaska, but a lot of local stuff. Um, I go to Illinois every year. Um, Been to Wyoming a few times. Been to Colorado a few times. What's in Um, Illinois? We'll do a... uh, We'll do it either an archery hunt or or slug or muzzleloader hunt. Okay, we have uh, we could talk about that too, and that ties into some of the things that you're talking about that I've seen firsthand since okay. starting to go there. Okay, but um, so go yeah, ahead. a lot of it's t- a lot of it's,
0: about it. Or do you want to do you want to talk about this stuff, talk about things in a more lot or like oh,
1: uh, it's it's entirely up to you? Yeah. Tell, uh, tell me. Tell me about Illinois. So. We I, I found this this uh, listing in uh, one of the county agricultural magazines for hunting, and uh, I called the number and said, hey, I'm I'm looking for do some out of state hunting. Long story short, this guy became a really good friend. It's just a great, great guy. I talked to him once and you're like, I feel like I've known him for for 20 years. Mm. He's just that kind of a person. So I, I like got off the phone like, damn, I just really found a, a nice person, nice human being. So we'll go there and hunt and and we do pay to hunt. And it was never like, this is what I charge. It was always like, well, what, what do you what do you think you should give me? Or what? It's very reasonable. Yeah, I always say like we do it out of a courtesy now because we've been doing it. We're such good friends. We do it out of a courtesy, but there's no expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say this: it's something that if you made minimum wage, you could afford to do. I see. Yeah. So if so we started going there in 2014 and we've literally seen the, the farms around him get leased up. And over the years, you know, you talk to different people, you meet people that are actually leasing their land around him and you see what they're paying and it's freaking crazy. Yeah. I thousands. Yeah. It's it, it, I, I don't know how you'd pay that much to shoot a whitetail, even though they have big whitetails there. But you know, it's it's mind numbing how much money is involved in leasing. So why? I mean, that's recent. <sighs>
0: Excuse me. Bless you. That's that's real a uh, a real recent trend. You got any idea like what what precipitated that?
1: Well, you know what? I I looked into leasing after, you know, some of the conversations we had through text and and whatnot, and just kind of know what, what some of the things we were going to talk about on here. And the leasing really predates hunting TV. Uh, Um,
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: But having said that, looking at the leases on TV and what you see on hunting shows, even though it predates the popularity of leasing beginning predates hunting TV, I think you'd be naive to not think that shows influence leasing and the numbers of people leasing. Oh,
0: no doubt. I just had a guy email me the other day that said he got started hunting because he, from watching Meat Eater... And now he has a hunting lease. Yep. I I don't think, I think that that's extremely common. And I mean, they're, they're among, I used to think that the leasing was, I mean, I I agree. I'm not surprised to hear you say that the hunt lease in the u.s predates hunting TV but I think that it's I think that hunting TV and hunting social media have certainly uh, increased that trend
1: absolutely and and looking at some of the academic studies that looked at leasing and some of the journals that looked at leasing. I've done quite a bit of reading. on Oh,
0: like in outdoor journals, they have stuff on.
1: Yeah. There was like real estate journals. Oh, a lot of real estate journals that, that look at the economics of leasing of hunting leasing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and there's one lease, uh, study that was done by, I think Clemson we could talk about, but, um, a lot of them point to the highest leases are, are are determined based on the size and the quality of animals shot on the lease. So tying it into, a, say, a, a Boone and Crockett score or a Pope and Young score, I mean, what do you see on TV? They're not shooting 110-inch whitetails on no, those leases. on TV. No, no,
0: and you know that – the vast majority of those shows are filmed on private land.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, but on average, you know, it's mostly the the large tracts of land that are getting leased. There's some, some weird statistics on who's most likely to lease. Um, absentee landowners, elderly are most likely oh, to lease. You're
0: saying who's most likely to lease out their land
1: lease out there in land. Yeah. Okay. And yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. Um. So it was an interesting read, but there was one uh, real estate journal that, that quoted a, a jump for elk leases, which would have to be in in the in the West. Um, from 1992 to 1996, jumped in price 171 percent. I thought that was a interesting tidbit, but yeah and
0: when, um, and I bet that the over that over that four years, I mean it's probably continued on a linear trajectory ever since then, I would guess. oh
1: I, i'm I'm sure I'm sure that exponential. according to University of Missouri, this is a leasing and properties purchased specifically for hunting. Is a $2.9 billion industry. Damn. Damn. I wonder how they
0: quantify that. Like, if you buy a hunting property, does that just count once? You're saying $2.9 billion per year. Yeah. So, imagine if you sell a property, a hunting property, that, that just counts once, right?
1: I'm not sure. They didn't clarify it. Yeah.
0: Damn. That's a lot of money.
1: But they have some, this is a, this is a, from 2010, they had some interesting stuff on the properties that are leased up and the percentages. And they have this graph here in, in the Rocky mountains, they just categorize the Rockies as, as a large chunk of, of private land in the Rocky mountain States. Um, and parcels that are 5,000 acres in size or better are over 25% leased up. Okay. Yeah. Uh Yeah, it's some of these numbers like um New Mexico, 33% of the private land is is leased for hunting. And some of these are, are I'm sure they're even larger now because this is from 2010-2011. Oh man, I bet anything it's it's
0: bigger. It's the numbers are bigger now. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Uh, I had no idea there was that good of data for some, for some States on,
1: on that. Yeah, this was done um, for Clemson and they, and they focused on the South, but they did throw this in there um, because leasing really got its uh, foundation in the South, specifically Texas. And then as the big logging companies, um, they were originally leasing to uh, state states and then um, figured it out that if they lease back to private citizens, they'd, they'd get two, three times what they were getting from the states. Oh, yeah. So that's trend started happening. And thus, the leasing industry grows through the 70s, 80s and 90s. Uh, So...
0: uh I this what you were saying about where where you hunt in illinois that's wild that it just is like taking off there so recently it shows it it's it's terrifying because it shows it's still it's it's still places are still in the pro land is still in the process of being locked up Oh, it's not like, well, that's this we've ended up here and this is where we are and this is where we're going to be. It's we're still in the process of of realizing how fucked we're going to be, you know,
1: Uh, I agree. And and meeting the circle of folks that we did, like, for example, the guy we we hunt, he has a 300 acre farm he lives on and then he has an 80 acre farm. That that we hunt, and and we don't lease from him. He just gives us a week. I mean, he hunts. His family hunts the properties. His buddies hunt the properties. It's by no means yeah. It a sounds sanctuary. like what you're
0: doing there is leasing light. You know, it's not like yeah. Ideally, but, ideally there'd be none, nothing that even resembled that. But it's not as though you're leasing up a huge place for the whole season so that you can. You and your buddies can each have ten thousand acres to yourselves, while everybody else is crowded onto a wildlife management area where there's one dude per
1: acre or whatever. Right. So, uh, surrounding him is is entirely leased up. Uh And what? Why um, is he?
0: What? What's? Oh, he because he
1: enjoys hunting. That's he doesn't. He's not giving up his hunting rights. I mean, he loves hunting just as much as you and I. Uh-huh. And I kind of like it. I mean, I, 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 like the fact that, you know, it, it's going to his place. Like I said, it's like going to a best friends, love his family. It, it's grown into something so special, way more than just giving him a few bucks to hunt his property. Yeah. Yeah. That we, we stay at his place. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's a, I got lucky. I realize I got lucky. Um, But the guy across the street has 300 acres and he gets about sixty five hundred to seven thousand dollars to hunt. And we're literally like if I'm in a tree stand, I can look across the field and and see somebody paying six thousand dollars to hunt.
0: Is he the only one that that's on that's leasing that property or does he No,
1: there was a group of guys. I think they're paying like two thousand apiece. Oh so, okay. How big is it? It's three hundred acres, the same size as, as oh, where we go. Wow. Um What's more interesting is where we, the 80 acres and that's, we can't gun hunt the 300, but we, we gun hunt the 80 and that is surrounded by outfitters Oh, and what they're paying is insane. Oh, like I'm literally hunting five, 600 yards from somebody that's paying 10 times the amount I am and again this is this is an outfitted hunt but 3 days you're paying you know 4000 plus dollars yeah the hunt it's insane and it's yeah. it's it's growing there's no shortage of people that are willing to pay that kind of money to hunt big whitetails
0: yeah yeah what i'm trying to do with this podcast is I don't know I I'm, I'm I guess I'm going for to try to institute some kind of cultural shift around that I don't I don't know the, the extent to which that's even possible at this point to me leasing hunting land and then shooting something on it is uh, akin to kissing your sister I just <laughs> I just have zero <laughs> Zero intra. I would rather I would rather sell all my hunting and fishing hunting stuff and have a vegetable garden. Than, yeah. Than engage in that kind. It just goes against it goes it just goes against why I got into it in the first place.
1: It's all always- I, I hear you. It and I think you know, going back to the hunting TV, you know, and that's one of the things that I bitch and moan about, about hunting TV. It's like, how many shows, and don't get me wrong. I'm not anti hunting TV per se, Mm -hmm. but how many shows can you watch with guys that have leased land in the Midwest it's shoot whitetails. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, if, if I had the money to do a show right now, and I was shooting, I had a lease in Iowa, and I was shooting big bucks, I freaking guarantee my show would be on the Outdoor Channel. And there's a 100 other shows that do the same thing. It's pretty...
0: Not to say that you wouldn't be a great TV personality, Jim, but you're just saying it's pretty easy to get a show on there.
1: Well, I'm I'm just saying if 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 you have the product, even though a hundred other people have the product, I yeah, you
0: yeah. you yeah. you'd, you'd be you'd, on TV, right? Because right, it doesn't seem like. That market, there's any, it can't be saturated. People can't get enough of watching uh white-tailed deer get whacked. Yep. (laughs) So I want to talk. We we're gonna dive into hunting TV a little bit. I know you've done a little research there, but before we do, I I don't wanna I don't wanna move away from this leasing thread uh, until we talk about a couple of things that I researched recently. So to me, that, that is one of the huge reasons why I, unlike you do have a problem with with hunting TV, Mm -hmm. because I don't think there'd be nearly as much leased land if, if hunting TV had never come about. I I just think that that it that it's
1: well it's I agree,
0: advertising I agree. that they're doing it on the the shows are made on leased land that's what's being modeled to the people that watch hunting TV it's just yeah. it, it's it's implausible on its face that it hasn't led to leasing up of a hunting land uh so and
1: I used to think it was. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say. I mean, in Western Pennsylvania, I, I grew up. If if it wasn't posted, we hunted it. Mm-hmm. And, but if you knocked on a door and you were polite, you were getting permission because somebody you knew somebody somebody knew a family member. Um. But there's freaking leases around where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it so it's 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 coming, even at the places that aren't big buck states. And Pennsylvania is not really a big buck state. I mean they we shoot some decent ones, but it's not Iowa or Kansas right. or Illinois. Yeah. So I used to think that
0: hunting entertainment caught what was it caused the leasing of land, but it was a a byproduct, an unintentional byproduct of it. It's just, it's the price of doing business. It's like, uh, it's not intentional on the part of people that make hunting entertainment. But now, now I've done a little research, and I, I think, I think it's worse than that. I think it, it it's apparently a large part of the hunting industry. Is is doing it wittingly? They're trying to facilitate turning us into Europe. They're trying to facilitate hunting in America becoming a pay to play thing. Uh, it's uh, Onyx. Onyx has a February two thousand and twenty one article. How do hunting leases work? And it's not just how they work. Half the article is advice. About how to get a hunting lease. Um, Mark Kenyon of Meat Eater has a 2019 article on how to find a hunting lease. The 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 hunting. Then I looked into some of the. If you type in something like how to find a hunting lease, there's so many companies now. Yeah, that are, that are in the business of. That's their, that's their business, is helping people find their dream hunting property to lease. And I looked at a few of them. There's this hunting lease network. And they're spe- they're sponsored by the National Deer Association. Uh, so here we have a, a nonprofit that's sponsoring a, 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 a company that its express purpose is to take places that people used to hunt and make them the exclusive hunting properties of, of, of hunters with a lot of money.
1: I I was going to say it's, it's all about the mighty dollar because the guys that are leasing and paying the big, the $6,000 for 300 acres. Those are the guys that dump money into those organizations um, those are the guys with the deep pockets and they're willing to pay, spend it on hunting. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at the American hunting lease association and ironically they, they did a survey and, and some of the numbers that they looked at were, you know, somewhat not alarming, but you can see it's leasing is, it's, it's trending. And I think it's gonna get worse before it gets better. oh, there's um, some Google
0: site where you can type in a word or a phrase and see how how it 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 it's how often it's been typed in uh-huh over time I bet on English has trended upwards over the last decade. It has to have that'd be a, that would have been a good thing for us to research, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Well, they're, they're affiliated with um, several different leasing. And I'm familiar with the base camp leasing. Um, yeah, I saw them. Yeah, base camp, hunting land rentals, Merck Farm Hunting, Hunt Ag Lease, and Blue Sky Estate. Blue Sky Real Estate, excuse me. Um, And take it a step further. There's no shortage of... Folks selling hunting properties specific for hunting.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, and there's companies. White properties. Yeah. yeah. Mossy
1: Oak properties. Um, Saint. Yeah. Tanks.
0: That just it's like we're gonna take the money that you gave us for camo clothes and make it so you don't have anywhere to wear them.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point. <laughs> well. The,
0: I don't think they have any, I don't think that this is a thing anymore. I looked Cabela's used to buy land and, and then sell it to people as hunting. Products. Yeah. Yep. That was my first piece of advocacy with those. When I was in my late twenties, I wrote them a a letter saying how much I, how upsetting that was to me that I, that I bought so much stuff from them and then they took the proceeds and used it to, to lock me out, you know, well, it it, so that banging on a door was no longer possible on those
1: lands. It, and they would say, they would say, well, we're placing a value on land used for hunting and assuring that it gets passed down to the next owner. For hunting that would be their stance but the counter would be well you've increased the cost of it by 15 percent by placing it as a hunting property
0: yeah you know i yeah i don't i don't i guess i don't i don't it's it strikes me as a major fuck you when the outdoor industry facilitates that that sort of thing. But in general, if you want to buy some property because you like it for hunting, that doesn't, it's not, a, I mean, I would hope that if I bought some property, cause I thought it would be good hunting and I had some money, expendable income, I would still, I just let people on, you know, I'd be like, I'm not, gonna, I'm going to buy this for this hunting property, but I'm not just going to have it all for myself. You know, I'm going right. to, I'm going to hunt it. You know, I'm going to have other people, People that bang on the door, people I don't know, people I know. I'm going to manage it so that it's quality hunting. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's the way I would, I would look at buying land for hunting purposes. You know, I guess the mate, the, the, there, there's, there's layers to this, this leasing shit. It's like probably the, the, the most, Innocuous form of it is the kind that you talk about, where you just kick the guy a few bucks because he lets you on and he's a buddy of yours. And then the worst would be something like this. In Montana, there is a lot of money in the coffers of our of our fish and wildlife management agency, Fish, Wildlife and Parks unused money that, that we have this program block management where the Austin yep. outing license fees are used to pay ranchers to let people on. They call it an inconvenience fee, but it's, it's a pretty good chunk of change. The the, the most the landowner can get is 25,000 right now.
1: Yeah. I, I, in your podcast with uh, that outfitter.
0: Yeah. Oh, with Rob that. yeah.
1: Yep. So if
0: if uh, land is not leased up by a, a private individual or an outfitter, then it's still going to be hunted. It's it, not hunting it is just not going to work here because these ranchers get eaten out of house and home. As a matter of fact, a lot of times I've heard store multiple stories of ranchers kicking off their outfitter because they're not shooting enough does yeah so but i i uh i want like i want to give the other end of the spectrum real quick because i i could tell you you have some ideas about this but the most benign end is the kind that you that you described and probably the most dastardly would be something akin to uh You, and this happened, I just heard this story. You, you come from outside of Eastern Montana somewhere. You come over here where I live, pretty good hunting. And you hunt block management on a ranch. And then when you're leaving, you go up, bang on the door and say to the guy, Hey, we really enjoyed hunting here. How about next year? You take this place out of block management and we'll pay you 2000 apiece. How is that not the biggest fuck you to your fellow hunters? Like, yeah. that is so horrible in my mind, you know? It just makes me realize that there are people out there in the hunting community that don't
1: give a shit
0: about other people
1: yeah i mean i i think it happens a lot in hunting and life in general yeah but I, I you know expect, ironically here, here's what oh, i keep i just want to say what i have
0: a lot of people don't realize this about me i don't think the few people who, who who have heard my ideas but the fact of the matter is i have a lot of love in my heart for hunters man. I really do for people that do it right. It it hurts my heart to see them get screwed. Yeah. You know, so that's why this stuff ticks me off so bad.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say to you, specifically that example you just brought up. A guy that can make 25 grand from block management, And then you got another guy, say a rich out of towner that's going to pay for it all himself. And I've seen this happen in Illinois where that guy's probably coming in. And he's probably bringing other people in and making money off of it. Oh, okay. Where he's he's maybe he has a group of people that. That. They do hunts, and he's subcharging them. So he's he's paying the landowner, but then maybe somebody he's going to only hunt elk, and then somebody's going to hunt deer and pay him for the deer. I've seen that happen, too, where these oh. guys come in, they'll lease it up, and then they'll bring DIY hunters in for a huge
0: oh. access fee. Oh, so they prob- by being the broker, they probably get their hunting
1: for free. Hell yeah. And that okay. happens a lot. Okay. A lot. Yep. Yeah, and, and
0: then the guys that the guys and gals that live around there and used to hunt it when their kid when they were kids. They're done. Peace out. Yep.
1: I saw that happen to right next to the farm we hunted, where a guy came in and leased the neighboring property, which was all this property was all timber, and it was having an all timber property in ag land, it was nice. And we found out this guy was leasing it and ran into him. I said, Hey, you know, how much, how much are you charging? And he's like, you know, 3000 (laughs) bucks. No, no, no thank
0: Mm you. Yeah. Yeah. That'd buy a lot of beef. Yeah. Right. And there's good beef right there too. (laughs) So, yeah, I think we've covered the leasing angle. Let's move on to the 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 hunting TV. That was another thing on the docket for us to chit chat about. What, what you did a little research there. What what what? Yeah, tell me first. I guess we start out with what what's your what's your orient What's your relationship with hunting media and what? how's it evolved and changed? And what's that? and how's your how have your thoughts changed on it or if they have or
1: well yeah they have big time um cuz like i said i i have the same concerns as you i agree with you um, on almost everything you said but you know my my relationship with outdoor media hunting tv you know growing up I watched it because I, I loved hunting. And when I wasn't hunting and it was on TV, I'm watching it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Same, and, I love it. I still love it. I don't allow myself to watch it because I think it's horrible for the future of hunting. But I love it.
1: I, 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 I agree. Um, and since I had kids, that's when the trend of, like, indirectly not watching it happened because I was busy. And, and now with my kids, I'm doing sports and coaching. And so, um, when I'm watching it, it's like, I think you've said this before, it's like almost benign, you know, it's on, or if I'm like flipping the channels and nothing's on and, and I'll go to the outdoor channel Mm -hmm. and then it's just on. Um, or if I'm like, I'm tying flies for fishing or something like that, it's just on, but growing up, I would watch it because I had the traveling bug. I mean, I knew I was going west. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know when. I mean, even at a young age, I knew, like, I'm hunting the west. There's no doubt about it. So any of those shows that, like, hunted out west or travel or, I mean, I was all over it. Um, TNN, Sunday nights, or coming home from uh, ESPN had, like, Tuesday nights or evenings. They'd have a couple hunting shows on, so I, I'd just consume it, and then, just like I said, it was just benign. It was just on. I'd watch it for sure, and then, yeah, the it's in terms of in, in terms of quality. Well, I was what I was
0: going to say is in terms of <laughs> in promoting hunting TV, or it doesn't really matter if you're watching it or not. If it's on, you're getting counted.
1: Right? Yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, like you but the
1: quality a- is is degraded. it's so much oh. and, and there's there's these guys and you know God bless them I, I don't I don't I'm not jealous of anybody. It, it's it's not a trait I have. Mm-hmm. And I but these guys that have these shows and they try to be larger than life personalities and the repetitiveness of shows, It's just, it's, it's enough. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and like you said, the leasing, naming box. I can't stand that. Oh yeah. That is, that drives, that shit drives me nuts.
0: I don't like knowing that the deer I'm going to shoot exists until he
1: comes in and I shoot him. Yep. Um, You know, there's a lot of stuff I, I, I just despise with hunting TV right now. Um, and then there's, you know, there's still some quality hunting shows out there, but it's, I understand it's, I can't disagree with you when I, when I think that it's not contributing to a lot of the stuff you've, you've said, I guess, because it
0: is, I guess the, the fundamental, it wouldn't even be worth me worrying it it probably isn't worth me worrying about hunting TV. It probably isn't going anywhere. This is, I'm probably jousting at at windmills. But to me, the question is that the, the the motivating question for me is this. If somehow the hunting community said we aren't, no, we're just not gonna, we're just not gonna, we're not gonna have our sport like degraded in this way. That, what would that do? Let's let's, or, 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 or somehow the there was a law against hunting TV, and I am definitely not for that. I am for, yeah. you know, I'm definitely, but like if just if people stopped watching it, what if it went away, what would hunt would that make a difference to hunt quality
1: in 20 years? Yeah, because I think less people would be doing it.
0: See, now, yeah, and and it would be less hyped up, I think, and and less likely, less necessary to lease up land. So I don't know. To me, just if I had kids and they they had the hunting bug,
1: I I just couldn't square watching it. Well, that's honestly what... That's why I, I reached out to you because I do have kids and my oldest doesn't hunt, but my youngest does. And I, it keeps me up at night thinking about what is hunting going to be like when he's my age? Yeah. And and that scares the shit out of me.
0: I would, um, like, All these people that reach out to me, like 50, 60, 70, how many of them are reaching out to me and then going and saying, great, somebody need to say this stuff. And then going and watching hunting TV. Would you guess? Um, it's certainly a percentage for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, the only way this thing is the only way I, what I me I, I'm doing anything but just bitching is if it somehow sinks in that y- you're going against your own your everything you value as a hunter. You there's y- you're going against it by
1: watching hunting. T- like you, it's just, I, you can't argue any other way. Well, I, I think, and this is one of the things that I, I was, and I think I told you this the last time we talked, but uh, I think the toothpaste is out of the tube. You're not getting it back in the tube. And we can talk about some of the numbers of the volume of hunting shows. Um, but I, I, I do think, I don't think this is in vain your movement is in vain because I do think in the age of influence, you, we can influence the industry and specifically the networks that, that there needs to be a change in content and to get the hunting shows, the 500 hunting shows that are, Leases or even hunting in a preserve that still happens on TV. They don't tell you it's a preserve, but it still happens all the time.
0: What's that? What's a preserve
1: hunting, a hunting preserve, high fence. Oh, that. Okay. Yeah. I bet it does. Like, like that shouldn't be on TV. <laughs> right. Um, If you can get the networks and the channels to at least compromise on the quality and improve the quality and reduce the quantity because these these shows these channels didn't start off as they were multi-sport rodeo gold mining fishing hunting and for whatever reason i would assume that the that the audience wanted more hunting and that's what they're giving us Mm -hmm. they just transitioned to mostly hunting and fishing How much much, do you think that uh, a lot of people that don't hunt watch hunting TV? It's hunters. I I think for the most part, it's hunters, yeah. See, but Jim, my
0: worry is if the quality improved, then it would be even more enticing.
1: And there'd be more of what I Well, it's like some of the, like, some of the podcast you were on and I'm listening to him and I'm going, what about the, like I'm like, I I wish I was there to interject Mm -hmm. and, and like a lot of the references to, well, media has been out forever. And, but it was a small group of professionals doing the outdoor writing. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was controlled and it didn't have the negative impact as 500 people doing the outdoor writing or doing the outdoor shows or doing the social media stuff. Mm-hmm. It was very narrow. So the impact was less. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, yeah, it was tiny. And now it's a, it's a monster. Right. So, I, I mean, like I said, I don't think you're getting it, the toothpaste back in the tube. I think it's going to be here for as long as people consume it. And I don't think that's ending anytime soon, but I would really, I would love to see a complete overhaul to their programming. And I still have hope that that could happen. And you
0: would like to see less redundancy?
1: Yeah. The, the, I mean, some of the crap that's on there, shooting out of helicopters and hunting at night and the personalities that are just over the top it's like you know it's enough already yeah I don't know I think
0: that I have these eight bullets on my website and what they represent their their actions that I think people should take and what they represent is so i i think that hunting is going to continue to go to shit for people that are unwilling to pull out their checkbook book the i of, agree the, the hunting kind of hunting i grew up with Yep. was i think that's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse uh but if i looked in a crystal ball and saw that 20 years from now things somehow were better and not worse. Then I would have to conclude it's because people took something along the lines of those steps, those eight steps. Yep. And one of them is, is, and so I think it's so destined to go downhill that to save hunting in America, the steps are going to have to be drastic and to me, it's like, that's just one of them. A drastic move that the hunting community would have to make would be it yeah. would be taboo to watch hunting TV. Yeah. So that I guess that's where I come down on it. You know, it's dr- that drastic times call for drastic measures.
1: Well, and, and you know there is some evidence that. Um which is even scarier that, that things are transitioning to digital. Um, but it's, it's the same, it's going to be online more, but you have. Like YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Online. But like I read the outdoor channel has 1 million unique visitors to their website every month. Hmm. So. What do you do on,
0: what do you do on that website? To see what the upcoming episodes are.
1: Yeah. And if you have an account with them, you could watch online. You don't oh, have to have cable. Okay. Okay. There's, um, some,
0: there's some Randy Newberg. I was, you know, you know who he is probably, right? I, I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We've talked about him. Yeah. So he, he and I just recorded a podcast and he was saying that it m- might not be possible to have. Like kill shots on YouTube anymore after it has something to do with payer content or like I
1: I think that would be great. You talked about that with Paul, uh, the mountain, um, oh, 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 mountain uh, pursuit, Paul yeah. Shaw, or
0: no, that Rob Shaw, yeah,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, okay, my bad, yeah, like a like a paywall, yeah, like he, he yeah. And I think that's where Randy
0: puts all of his content.
1: Yeah. I might be wrong
0: about that, but I think it's all YouTube
1: content, isn't it? I saw a quote from him that in 2015, his content was 100% TV or network. And just three three years later, it was 85% digital and just 15% TV. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't, the platform,
0: doesn't matter. My Hail Mary here is just, just stop watching it.
1: And, and I think that comes with... with I agree. Now I, I agree a thousand percent. I, I, I absolutely agree. And like I said, I, I I used to be a fan and my viewing has reduced, I mean, to the point where I I just simply don't have the time. But at the same time, my taste for it has has soured because I'm older and I just see the bullshit that's on TV and I don't like it. Like I'm not against shooting uh, pigs from a helicopter for control. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think it should be on TV. Right, right. With a guy pretending like he's in Vietnam – Hooting and hollering, hanging out of a helicopter.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's just that kind of shit. Because that kind of shit causes representational issues in my mind. I, I mean, I know people, and I'm among them that hunting is a very, very sacred, private, special thing, you know. And I hate that I have to be. By name, as a hunter, associated with that kind of stuff. I don't think that's it's just not right. I I would I would fight for their right to do it, but it's just like I hate that I have to be in any way lumped in with people that do that kind of stuff. Well, and then, uh, and then yeah, what are what as a, what are the people that decide the programming thinking? Like how, how, and what, what are they trying to portray about us? You know, I guess they don't give a shit. All they care about is will somebody tune in?
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, that's exactly it. And that's why I said, if I had a a property in the Midwest right now that produced big bucks, I'd freaking be on TV. I guarantee it. Yeah. Because people would tune in. Maybe they went in to see me, but you know what I mean? They tune in to see big bucks. Doesn't matter yeah. who's shooting them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I think at the same time, I think you have a lot of good things to say. And I think that I'm I'm glad somebody's doing it. And and I hope you get an army of people that can institute change with the networks. I, I think that a lot
0: comes down, to, is going to come down to, well, one thing it's going to come down to is that if I can muster the energy to keep doing this, but it's I don't know the answer to the question, what, does, what do Americans value more? Hunting or hunting entertainment? Because hunting entertainment is bad for hunting. It makes it a pay to play thing. Yeah. It makes it crowded. It makes it paid to play. If people really value hunting, then maybe I'll get somewhere. But if they, they'd rather give up their deer tag or give up, the, the farm that the guy at church lets them hunt, you know, so because now it's leased out or whatever, they'd rather give that up than the hunting TV, then I'm not going to make any progress at all.
1: Yeah. I think of a lot of it, and you brought this up before, that there's a whole group of people that don't know anything else. But social media and hunting. Um, but I, I think it's it's an age thing. And I think people get starstruck with hunting celebrities. And and that wanes, I think, when you get into your 30s and, and 40s. And I, I just can't see it lasting forever. I, I really can't. I think it's gonna whether you or we or or the movement has an impact or not. I, just, I like we, I like we, Jim. Yeah, well, I'll say we, I, whether.
0: You're proving yourself a a, a very worthy uh, partner uh, because, like, all the research you did, which is. I uh, pre- appreciate it. My uh, pod- This podcast, the Hunt Quietly podcast, it lacks, it's lacking in factual content. I'm trying to work on that. Like I,
1: I, I've been more, enjoying it. Well, uh, I think banks. it's I think it's been great.
0: I just like want to I, have more informational value and not just just shooting the ship, but I think there's a lot of value. Yeah. I mean, it just needs to be a better balance, you know. So I'm trying to do a little more right research for these things. And I really appreciate that you've done done so.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I like it. That's that's my that's my forte of, of just reading and I could consume hunting and that, and that's, you know, that's, that's sort of why I got into the, the uh, hunting TV. Cause I would read magazines and then watch TV, you know, growing up in the East coast. It's like, mm-hmm. it's all, all I did growing up yeah. is if I wasn't hunting, just reading magazines and consuming well, everything I could. What makes it, what makes
0: it so doable for me to disassociate from hunting culture is that I was never really, I was never really a close follower of it to begin with. Yeah. I never, I, the only time I ever would watch hunting TV and I relished it when I got the opportunity was when I'd be staying in a motel room. Yeah. Usually I get real antisocial at academic conferences and I go to a fair number of them as a research scientist, but I, I just, I like talking to people I know well, and I like people talking to people I don't know at all, but man, do I struggle to talk to people that I know a little bit. Like do you you see once every three years at some freaking conference? Right. Right. So I would just sit in my room and, and watch hunting tv i don't know somehow i keep up on reasonably well keep on up on technology yeah i mean the the art and i don't i don't i don't think we need any more technology you know Uh, i agree my bow is better than it was 20 years ago for sure my range finder is probably better um what else my tent is nicer. It's got a little stove in it. So there's like little improvements all, all, all the time, but the argument that you have to be tuned in or you're become antiquated. That I don't I don't see at all the need to be like following hunting media very carefully because if you don't you won't be up on the latest t- tips and tactics
1: I, I i agree and you said this before too and like some of the baddest hunters that i know they never watch hunting tv they never they're not on social media and they kill some shit yep and yep. it ain't me but i know them <laughs> no that, they're the best no.
0: hunters i know are totally checked out
1: on yep. all the bullshit my buddy my buddy bill who my dad didn't hunt he fished but i from the time it was like i wanted to hunt from the time i can remember i love guns and everything like that but bill took me his family took me to their deer camp and I mean, but they like, they didn't have cable, they canned, they hunted, they, I mean, they always they had canned? deer in the free, canned like oh, food. Oh, canned venison? Canned. Yeah. Yeah, I love canned venison. So they, they, they like lived, they lived it and yeah. Bill never, and he's, he's a, a really good hunter mm-hmm. and he never consumed any of it, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, it's it's completely not necessary. Um, but to, to yeah to be tuned in all the time. I mean I'll to like if I'm trying to figure out how to tie a new D loop on my bow, I'll watch a YouTube video. <laughs> right. But, but if there was no how to content put online for the next well for, forever. You'd still be able to piece together how to do crap, just get a Go down to your local sporting goods shop or or, or
1: read a book. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> or or get together with your buddies. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, come over, let's shoot our bows. Yeah.
0: But it, it, but there, it, there it's a it's unbelievable. There must just be a real market for how-to content though, because it's it's all yeah, and over
1: the place. I'm guilty of looking at it too.
0: Like there's you know? certain things that are just kind of comical. Like the elk bugling thing or the elk calling thing. Yeah. Elk, elk haven't changed <laughs> their calling. It's <laughs> you <know? Just> like, <laughs> right. So, how is it that you have to update, have updates on, or like constantly be putting out how to call in an elk uh, videos constantly? I mean they make the same
1: freaking sounds they've always made. Because <laughs> it's someone new, and maybe you haven't seen it, and maybe you'll get some clicks if you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but getting back to the to the content, if you want to talk some of these numbers. Yeah. Um, some of these numbers are like specifically the outdoor channel. Mm-hmm. There were 50 shows in the year 2000 hunt for hunting. And then in 2014, they added hundred hunting shows in just that one year. And then that had to be now, based on market research. I wonder what they were seeing. I read something and, and I, I I'm pissed off cause I couldn't find it. I wanted to reference it but i read something where they they hired like a third party firm don't quote me on this but they they wanted to increase their revenue and their viewership and they they the firm recommended competition between the shows they're airing again don't quote me on it cuz i couldn't find it but mm-hmm. i figured it's it's worth mentioning cuz they did add a bunch of shows so the idea right now,
0: being, I mean if, if that is indeed the case, the idea there would be that they they would do more outrageous stuff
1: and to compete get, with one another. To get eyeballs, yeah. Yep. So right now there are over 280 hunting and shooting shows between the outdoor channel and the sportsman's channel. If you're watching, if you're watching hunting TV, then
0: you it must just you must be able to watch for days without seeing the same show.
1: Twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. Now, what's driving it is obviously the viewers. I mean you know, people are consuming the, the, the content. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it has to do with the sponsors as well, which we, we talked about before. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? There's man? no, there's no shortage of, of companies that's, that sponsor these shows. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: Like if the, if, if there was, that would
1: be a real problem. Right. But
0: there's there's no shortage. Uh, I was just wondering this so you there's there's forty million households. Yeah, um this this was that from, have one or both of those networks?
1: Yeah. And this is from 2010, 14 million web subscribers. I'm sure that number is probably through the roof now. Uh, 11 million international. And their target audience is 25 to 54-year-olds. Okay, so 29
0: million are in the U.S. and and the other 11 are elsewhere.
1: But the... Uh, fourteen million, and that was from two thousand and ten. Oh,
0: wait. When you say there's forty million, there's forty million households that watch Outdoor they,
1: Channel, or that they, they receive the Outdoor Channel mm-hmm. or Sportsman's Channel. So, but are, is that just in the U.S.? Yes.
0: Okay, I see. I see. Yeah, for the listening audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim has kindly written down some of these stats and sent them to me that so this we're looking at this together
1: but the real staggering number is and i don't have a problem with this i'm i'm all for capitalism by the way but i think it's worth not, talking not to about me,
0: not not me i'm a, I'm a
1: kind
0: <laughs> <I'm a con laughs> bastard
1: with it. I, I i still think it's worth talking about so I, I went and freaking counted each show and their sponsors. Mm-hmm. There are 719 hunting show sponsors for the Outdoor <laughs> Channel. There are 568 hunting show sponsors for the Sportsman's Channel. That's 12... 87 combined. Yeah. Now a lot of these are repeats. They're sponsoring multiple shows. <laughs> yeah. But that is a lot of uh firepower behind the hunting show industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: For sure. I mean, so they must be selling, there must have people they must have companies that aren't involved in hunting. Like are they peddling life insurance on there and stuff like that? Yeah.
1: There, there were some that I, I didn't, I didn't recognize. And you could tell there's like some local, local companies that mm-hmm. must be in their hometown, you know, some of these shows. Um, But yeah, there were some non, non hunting companies for sure. So are they, um, is it that you, like, I don't know how cable works. Do you, do some, is it, Our outdoor
0: sportsman is some kind of like package that you just get maybe.
1: Yeah. Like, so I have direct TV and you would get like, it would come with the sportsman's channel with like the, I would get the middle package and it would come with the sportsman's channel. And then there's another channel that's like a lesser, they still show hunting shows. I can't even remember it. So, a lot of people that have it coming into their home probably have no interest in it. P- possibly, yeah, possibly, yep. But then you could add you could add the outdoor channel for like two bucks a month.
0: Oh, to some lot smaller package.
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay.
0: Um, that is unbelievable. That.
1: So, uh, how many unique companies? Do you think that is? Man, I'd have to go back and quantify them because I did make a list uh-huh. in that spreadsheet. Um, but there are a lot of repeats. And, and again, I don't have any problem with it. I, I, I don't, but it's still worth talking about.
0: You know, I mean, yeah, these companies... So, oh, you don't have... Okay, what are you saying you don't have a problem with? Well... I, that there are that many companies?
1: Yeah, I mean, it... It's a business. They're running their businesses. I get it. They're trying oh, to sell products. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, yeah. Like I, I don't fault them for doing it. I just think it's stupid that hunters are funding it. I think it's well, like I think it's ridiculous, especially if you're a, pro, a public land hunter or banging on the door hunter. I agree. It, it's we, just. It's so ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, it's it's mind mind-bogg- bogglingly stupid to watch this stuff and fund this stuff. If you value your hunting, if you don't, if you don't hunt, you if you don't have a hunting property or or if you lease land, I and mean, even if you lease land, what you want your lease to go up? You want your lease fee to go up? <laughs> Right. That's because that's you know what all the hype is doing. So,
1: uh, go. Yeah. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say some of the companies that really repeated that I noticed were like Hunter Safety Systems, the harness. Mm -hmm. Because you figure they they sell one harness and they're not gonna sell another one unless you ruin it or you you have to buy another one. So. What do you mean that Um, the hunter safety? Like you buy a harness you can take from tree to tree. But you're okay, but there's something
0: special about that product because you only buy it once.
1: Well, I I would imagine they're trying to hit new hunters who need to buy a harness. Oh,
0: (laughs) oh, I see now. I see now. That yeah,
1: sorry sense. for not clarifying
0: that. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: But they, they, they have their hands in a lot of shows. And Hornady ammunition, holy shit, they sponsor twenty-five hunting shows.
0: Oh,
1: huh. And then Cabela's, uh, Real Tree, the, the, all the major ones. They, they're, they're, they're repetitive, but in, and, and hunter safety. And then we were talking like trying to find somebody that a company that didn't Oh, and the I show. did. I did. I was gonna say, man, you are gonna be hard pressed I to found find one. a company. I
0: I found one and he's coming on. The owner of the company is coming on. Nice. So they're in in uh South Dakota, and it's called T and K Hunting Gear. Nice. So he's coming on the podcast and he's earned a spot on my website as the first company I found that doesn't that doesn't sponsor douchebags on social media and does not advertise <laughs> and does not advertise on hunting TV. Oh I found another one too. I can't remember the name of them, but they're in Norway. Oh wow. <laughs> But I had this guy on from
1: Norway, so they're gonna get they're gonna get on the website to even. Know. It, the one I did notice that didn't sponsor, I thought was Seiko, but Seiko ended up sponsoring a uh, a show. But Zeiss does not appear to currently be sponsoring a show. Oh, now they they did, they did sponsor the Eastmans back in two thousand and
0: thirteen. Okay, but
1: Zeiss rifle scopes and binoculars. And of course, Patagonia. But I know many people wouldn't consider them a hunting company.
0: If you type in small hunting company, or you get a, there was a bunch. I was on a, I was riding around with a friend of mine. We went to, we were on a long car ride last week, and there were quite a few that I, I just it was a Sunday, so I couldn't call them. I was going to call them, you know. But uh, and I, I need to get back around to that. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's some it's not like they're doing it as a matter of principle they're like yeah they're not like oh i wouldn't it's because they can't afford it because they're tiny <laughs> but right. you know
1: uh it's still better than what we got well i was gonna say if to get a running list you're gonna have to have them reach out to you because it's gonna unless they're really small you're gonna have to do you're gonna have to dig deep listen listening audience all 40 of you. I want you to
0: hear this. If you know, of well, I got companies my family listening like this, now too, so. If you know of companies like this, please reach out to me at uh, huntquietly.org because um, I will make sure that my entire vast listening audience purchases <laughs> from these exclusively from these premier providers of hunting quality hunting products.
1: Well, I'll be looking for T and K now. Absolutely. You know what sucks is like, because I've
0: I've put myself out there as this purist that's trying to take the hype out of hunting and the commercialization out of it. If I do get some, do find some companies, I can't even like take some free shit from them. (laughs) Because then I'd be just doing what, I'd be doing exactly what, I'm gonna to have to pay retail, you know.
1: Well, you got to do R and R on the companies, though, so that might qualify. As... No, I'm not doing it. Don't, don't tempt me. Don't R and D, rather. Me, Jim.
0: Don't do it. I'm not yeah. I'm paying full. I am gonna pay 50 percent more than retail for the companies <laughs> on my website.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a real uh, dilemma you you put yourself in. Uh,
0: but you must have. You say on one hand you say I don't you know I don't have a problem with it, but you must have somewhat of a problem if you, with all the commercialization and all the companies, if you, and all the sponsoring and if if uh, you were willing to help me look a little bit.
1: Yeah. No. I, I like I said I, I I support free markets, right? And this goes back to. To, to my point of putting the pressure on the networks and channels, it's the same thing. Like, I'm sure if I dug deep of all 25 shows that Hornady sponsors, I bet you there's 70% of them. They're shit shows. Yeah. And
0: I would <laughs> like to see them. I don't know. It's just hard for me to see it because I was like, I think they're all shit. Yeah. No, I, I just, uh, I, I, just I get it. I just don't think it's a worthwhile form of entertainment to watch some other fucking Bubba shoot something.
1: Right. No, I, I get but, it. I get it. But, but here's the thing. I don't
0: want anybody to walk away from this thinking that I'm somehow not an American. I'm un-American and not for yeah. free enterprise. What's more sure. American than... Buying products that you believe in and avoiding products that are sold by companies that are engaged in what you feel
1: are unjust nah. act- activities. And, and so it's hard to disagree with you on that. It's it's not, you can't. I mean, it's you're spot on. Yeah. So but if you could get the companies to at least, I know it's it's it, it maybe falls short of what you would want to see, but if you could least revamp the 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 shows that they're sponsoring and reduce the money that they're throwing to the shit shows, literally the shit shows, mm-hmm. I still think it's worth doing. Even though it might not be what you want to see, I still think it's worth it. Mhm. Yeah, and 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 I'm not beholden to I'm freaking
0: horrible at predicting the future. So my eight bullet points like if if hunting's to be saved there's going to have to not be hunting TV. You know, maybe I'm wrong about that. So maybe some lesser step will save hunting you know. So I if if something way more way less dramatic gets accomplished through these discussions or whatever else I do through this, my efforts. And, you know, maybe that, maybe that will be enough to save it. I don't know. You know, I'm just putting out there what I just, I'm just generally a pessimistic person. And I'm, and I just think that if hunting's to be saved, hunting TV is going to have to completely go away or be like a shell of what it is. And I, but you're like, you say, the toothpaste is out of the tube and, but you know, maybe if it just gets cleaned up a little bit, maybe, maybe that'll maybe that'll make some good things happen. Well, I, I oh, think if dude, you can... when we talked about, I got to go back to the hunting lease thing because I, I forgot. Yeah. Also, just momentarily, it's going to bug me if I don't say this. But also, the National Wild Turkey Federation has an article on their website about how to find a hunting lease. <laughs> so there's two nonprofits. The they they're trying to Yeah. They're, they're trying to make sure that you don't get to go up and bang on the door anymore. They're, they they don't like that. They they are opposed to that. They want I, Wait a minute. That place isn't leased? We got to teach these guys how to lease land better, you know.
1: What what vested interest does the National Wild Turkey Federation have in hunting leases? Is it that they just think that that the properties, if they're leased, they're going to be managed for hunting?
0: I think that, that they they sense a, a hunger for. I, I think that that they know that people are looking for hunting leases, and it's a way to generate eyeballs on their website. Like it's what people want to know about. Yeah. So they, they're like, oh, this is what they want to know about. So they write an article about it. I, I, I think it's probably as, as simple as as that. They all kind of know. I gathered like, the three articles I found, the one by Onyx, the one by Meat Eater, and the one by the Na- National Wild Turkey Federation. They all do a tiny bit of, of hand wringing. In the beginning of the article, you know, it's like, it's just the reality. More and more land is getting leased up. Now, whether you like it or not, you know, and then they jump into uh, how to go about getting your own. So, I mean, Dave, that's like, I'm just kind of a, your money is where your mouth is. And so I'm like, okay. And then. The 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 National Deer Association has written this article. Has, has all I didn't say this. They they're a nonprofit, and they've also there's also a 2017 article by them on how to find a lease. Uh, it was it was written by Brian, Brian Grossman. I guess he's a guy that works for them, and th- they're sponsored by everybody under the sun: Lacrosse, yeah. Onyx, Vortex. Banks Outdoor, Wildlife Research Center, First Light, Cabela's Land Trust. Land Trust is a group out here that's, uh, like, leasing up land like and then selling selling hunting opportunities to people a la carte. Like, you call them up and you go, hey, I want to go mule deer hunting. And then they'll send you to one of their properties that they've leased up. They're pretty attractive to to, apparently, to... Ranchers and farmers, because outfitters are lo- losing lands to land trust. Um, Prime Archery, Weatherby, Loophole, Yeti, Remington, Bass Pro Shop. So they're all on their friends or sponsors of this nonprofit that's trying to help people turn it into a pay to play. You know,
1: I, I was just going to say that it's money rules the roost. And there's obviously an economic gain to that because otherwise, i can't see i can't see the angle other than that the people leasing are more likely to do land improvements right that would be the only angle
0: i've never i've never heard an argument by anybody about the virtues of the the haunting lease um i just i'm I just, uh, I wonder how, how many people there are, what, what fraction of the hunting community sees things like I do that, that, that that these companies must not think that it's offensive to the average hunter. So I wonder, I wonder if they're right about that, you know? It's offensive to me it's offensive I, to me they, they like all these so many of these places these people are very active in montana these companies very active and this is a this is a a state where there's public money to to provide access to everybody yeah and so uh i don't yeah, I don't i don't know I don't know what they're thinking, but I don't think they're thinking something virtuous. Like, oh, I, people, I, again, people that lease it up for hunting, they'll work on habitat. I don't think it's, that's, I don't, I think that would be, I've never even heard that, but it'd be bullshit if I did. I wouldn't believe it, if, you know, but anyway. I would love to steel man their argument, but I just can't find a way to do it. Like, I, can, yeah. I can't find a way to be like, Leasing is just and virtuous because of whatever.
1: I mean, look, let's, it it is what it is. It it takes the pressure away. It improves the uh, experience and it's a way to be more successful. I mean, it's, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't
0: think, I, I don't think it's uh I don't think think it's a success if you hire an outfitter that's leased up some land and he drives you out there up to some freaking deer and you shoot it yeah you've left 95 percent of it in somebody else's hands right and you bought it yeah you bought it at the expense of other hunters it's not it's not I would I would rather eat beef. I would yeah. rather eat beef, you know, than then, than. that's just not, that's not what hunting is supposed to be that it's just, that is, or if you lease up someplace that used to be open to the public in some way, shape or form, yeah, that, I mean, that, that, and then you shoot something off of it. it. I mean, when you shoot, when I, when I shoot a deer or something, it's like, I, I worked for it. I, I, I put in the time. I found my spot. I dealt with the hunting pressure, you know, yep. and I earned this thing. So yep. all of the joy of it is wrapped up in that. And none of that is there for somebody that leases up land.
1: Yep. I, I crunched some numbers too. this sort of tears off of, of the hunting lease costs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did crunch some numbers about guides and their fees that, it's probably not of interest to you or your listeners or me, but I, Oh, I don't I know. It, when we, 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 uh, uh, Rod, Rod
0: Paschke, the outfitter I had on, he threw a few dollar figures around and people kind of found that interesting. Well, I, I hope that's not what this is. That like this podcast is just basically, uh, helping people figure out what they're going to spend on their next outfitted hunt. <laughs>
1: no, this, is, this is one of the things that I think, it, it, it scares me for my kids because it's indicative of the cost of of from from start to finish on hunting and how it's going up. Mm-hmm. And so, when I was in the mid '90s or the early to mid '90s, I was in college, and they would have a sportsman show in Monroeville. Okay, so I would go to the sportsman show and get all the brochures of all these outfitters because I'm like, I'm going to Wyoming. I talked to everybody, the whole nine. And my mother saved every brochure I had. So when I, when my parents passed away, I was going through my stuff and I found this box. It was like a time capsule. And I was looking at the prices and I crunched some of the numbers, some, you know, back of the envelope type of calculations and, basically even the cost of guides it's outpacing it's outpacing the cost of living Mm, mm -hmm. it's outpacing inflation people are spending a higher percentage
0: they're spending a higher percentage of their income on it
1: a higher percentage for example i'm glad you brought that up i went back and looked at the median income for like 1991 and i found a mule deer uh hunt again this is not it's not every state. It's not big right, numbers. Right. But I took yeah, One yeah. that I had. It's a data point. Um, it's a data point. It was five percent of the median income in 1991, right? The cost of a mule deer hunt. Okay. Five percent. Okay. In two in 2022, it's about 11 percent of okay. the median wow. income. Wow. Wow. So yeah,
0: and and some of that probably has like. The the people that are then and now, I'm sure. Um, the the people so, the people that were buying those hunts aren't making the median income. No.
1: But in in 1994, I found some elk brochures. It was seven percent of the median income, and elk hunt would would mm-hmm. would take seven percent of your income. In 2022, it's 23 percent. Holy crap! Yeah, but this is the the one that really hit that's, with me. That's
0: you're hunting TV and you're hunting social media. They have the made it like they have made it so that people they like. That's what advertising does, right?
1: Advertising yep. increases the value of stuff. When when I was in when I lived in Alaska, I drew a toke sheep tag, and I went DIY on my own with a buddy. And I was unsuccessful. And then I had plans to go back. Um, And a buddy of mine was going to come up from Arizona. And we were going to go back later in the season. And that fell through. So I'm I'm like, I have this once in a lifetime tag. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I couldn't, I wasn't going to go by myself, but I couldn't find anyone to go. And I'm like, I, I contemplated hiring a guide. Okay, mm-hmm. so a guide for toke was about eight thousand dollars, and I in, in two thousand and one, eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That price of a guided hunt for toke has gone up two hundred and twenty five percent since two thousand and one. <laughs> so wow. that shows you where. The trends are going. And it's like that for every number I crunch. Yeah. And I had a whole box of yeah. outfitters and trips. And I'm like, this is freaking crazy. Yep. And that's indicative of where everything is going. Yeah. It's a rich man sport. It's going to be the European model of wildlife and hunting. The, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. for sure. That is so freaking depressing. This is so freaking depressing i i i just wish i mean with stuff like with, i don't take a strong i don't take a stance against paying an outfitter to hunt take you hunting someplace that i can go hunt that's not something i'm i'm, I'm okay with that i'm completely
1: okay yeah with i remember
0: you but saying that but it but but the still that stat and along with the other stats you just presented it just it just shows you that freaking people
1: are. It's becoming a pay game, and and uh, it's it's certainly outpacing the cost of living. I know yeah, that much. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Um. Oh, you know, we uh, w- with the respect to hunting TV, I want I've been looking into a little bit about into all these dudes that have gotten busted over the years while filming for doing illegal shit. Right. And it's crazy. I'm just going to go down through the list I could find. And this is, I'm sure I missed some. Uh, I think, um, you know who Aaron Snyder is? Yeah. I think he got a, I think he poached a squirrel. So I didn't see that one when I was looking, but I remember seeing it a while back. So that's how I, that's what makes me feel like my list is incomplete because I didn't see that one now. And I'm pretty sure that that's true. Forgive me, Aaron, if it's not, um, send me a text or something and I'll clear your name. But, and, but, but that's, uh, that's no laughing matter poaching a squirrel in my mind. I'm an avid squirrel hunter. But and I shouldn't be telling. I love squirting. I shouldn't be telling people this. Uh, this is not a how to or a hunting promotion podcast. It's rather intended to be the opposite. Like I'd rather you, I'd rather you didn't hunt. But if you must hunt, just shut up and fucking do it. And just be quiet about it. That's the theme of my podcast. But the, out here, you don't. They're not even considered a a, a game animal.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no limit?
0: Mm-mm. No limit, no season. Where I grew up in Michigan, it's probably this way in Pennsylvania. There, I think it opened September 15th and you were allowed five a day.
1: Yeah, it's something like that in September. Um, but they have that, they could have that, uh, what's that parasite? Like a, a Is it a war? A war um... Oh, I didn't know they had some a, a parasite they could have it like the same as rabbits. Not too many. Um, no, not that. Oh, God. Is it a warble or? I can't think of it.
0: Is it a bacteria, fungi, prion? No, it's like a, it's like a, a worm. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Okay.
1: But I, I'll, I'll. my point was. Can people um, get that? Cu- with my kid hunting. We wait until the first frost or, nice. or, or the weather gets cooler, even though it comes in early. Can rather. it be
0: transmitted to humans?
1: I don't think so. But you don't want to risk it anyway. Yeah, I just, yeah. So, it's hot. Leaves are on the trees. There's a lot of other reasons, too. But
0: Being that you're a, a, a connoisseur of hunting TV a bit, maybe you'll know some of these shows. Yeah. Maybe you'll know about some of these incidences hunting in the sticks co-hosted by ricky mills and jimmy duncan they poached a bull elk without a license and out of season they abandoned some of the meat Uh, oh that's nice so they got a wanton waste on top of all the other stuff here Uh, and then he the next day he tried to shoot another elk without a license but he missed (laughs) <laughs> that's uh Matthew, Matthew L. wine trophy state of mind poached deer and elk from 2010 to 2015 he was fined more than uh twelve thousand dollars in losses privileges and hunting privileges for four years in 41 different states
1: wow did you know about do you know either of those shows I have not. I didn't hear of either one of those shows. no. how about how about a uh,
0: Spook Nation?
1: Yep, I remember Spook Nation.
0: That dude Spook Span. He got he got in trouble for baiting turkeys. Chris Brackett, fear no yep. evil. He yeah, a, I remember him. He found a bigger buck after he shot his buck, and then decided to shoot that one too, and have the cameraman.
1: Take. did you do you know the story how the cameraman sold him out no
0: so i guess is this, he, is, this is this insider info or is this
1: public knowledge no it's public knowledge because you could see the video so his I, I believe he he fired his cameraman um but he the cameraman missed a shot and he MFs him up and down the, the oh. ground line they were in. Oh,
0: that's why he wanted to shoot the, the second buck is because the cameraman didn't get, get it on film with
1: the first buck? No, I, I, I don't quote me on this, but they were two different instances where he, he shoots a small buck, the big buck comes out, and he shoots that one too. Then the next day, the cameraman gets a tag, goes and tags the smaller one. So... And then another hunt, the cameraman misses the shot and Chris MFs him up and down, fires him, and then the cameraman releases the damning footage of him poaching a deer.
0: <laughs> that is precious, man. That is- yeah. <laughs> oh, listening audience, if you have any dirt, I'm all about the dirt. You don't have to. We don't even have to use your name. Just give me the dirt. Um, Bane Anthony of the Bear Whisperer. This just happened.
1: He shot a bear in Kenai Fjords National Park. I know the show. I don't. I don't know him specifically, but I know of the show.
0: Okay, and then, well. Obviously, Ted Nugent has multiple convictions for poaching deer and bears. So it's like, here's the thing. Poaching, getting away with poaching, it strikes me as incredibly straightforward. I feel that I could poach for the rest of my life and never get caught. And I wouldn't even have to try that hard. (laughs) I just, so the fact that, I could just rattle off like get on the on on the web and rattle off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven convicted TV poachers. Yeah. That says to me that they do shit like that all the time. For yeah. every one of these where they get busted, there's probably 30 where they don't. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm that's sure. what you're, that's what you're funding when
1: you're watching that hunting TV. Do you remember Noel Feather? Also, oh, there's another one that I missed. See, yeah, I mean, Noel Feather is going back to the VHS days. Okay, of of hunting TV, where he was shooting deer in preserves, and then putting state licenses on them, <laughs> crossing state lines, and got caught. Why was he doing that? Why would because he, just- he was. He was pawning it off as, as, you know, free range hunts. Okay. But he was going to these high fence places and like he shot one in say Arkansas and then brought it over to Missouri and put a Missouri tag on it. And I don't know if that's the case, but he did something like that. Okay. Where not only did he not put the right tag on it, but he put a different state. Okay. Uh. Tag on it, but that was that was back in the in the late '80s, early '90s. Okay, so it's as um, it's, it's as old as as hunting media. As hunting but that's Nugent as, it's as old
0: as, as hunting TV.
1: Nugent got busted in Alaska, I believe, too, for a bear uh, thing, right? Yeah, if you draw blood on a bear, you're done. That's your tag yeah, is filled. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's another thing that. You know, I've written about and discussed a lot, and I won't go into it now. But all the wound loss on these shows, you yeah, know, there's a shit pile of it, and it's dishonest to not show that because that's the most consequential thing that happens on a hunt is if you wound something and don't recover it. So it's dishonest not to show that; it's lying by omission. But then yeah. you're then if but if you show it, then you're compromising the future of hunters, of future of hunting for for other hunters that don't show any of it.
1: Right. Ever, you know. No, there's nothing.
0: That's a moral catch-22. Yep. Um, So I wanted to read this quote. There was this quote in one of these articles by a Montana game warden, Chad Murphy, with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. uh, He was a regional investigator, said, quote, Greed and ego are generally the driving forces behind those that, that that commit multiple wildlife violations. That was especially evident in this case with Al Wine. Must be one of the guys I got busted. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't see where he is on my list. But anyway, that was especially evident in this case with Al Wine. Boasting about his kills within the same day on his social media, on his social media sites. So, uh, oh, I gotta look at into that that one because he didn't make it on the list. That was kind of a mess up on my part. But the p- reason I was reading it is is that the greed are gener- greed and ego are generally the driving force, and I, and I think that that the the greed and ego. Is through the roof when you are making hunting TV. You know, it, it 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 make I mean somebody if you somebody that would normally if they had some other occupation would never do that. All of a sudden,
1: they need that content bad. And, and you you said it before: killing for content is is when you said it and I started thinking about it and, and I actually said this before I got roasted on a forum um, years ago. Um, do you know, Jim Brunsworth, he, he has a show Western extreme and I was watching it and he's, he's at the time, this was like maybe six or seven years ago. He said uh, he was, he shot a 62nd elk in 18 years. Uh-huh. And I'm like, God uh, damn. Yeah. That uh, is
0: excessive. Oh. Yeah. What about all the other people that never get never get to kill an elk? Or they're an out there I, for years without between killing an elk.
1: Yeah, It's like it's so freaking greedy. I put that online and people roasted me up and down. Saying I was jealous, I was a hater.
0: Sure, of course they did. Did anybody I mean that's like three and a half elk a year, every year? Yeah. Did anybody agree with you? No. Nobody. Uh Uh-uh. You know, but that's a little echo that those those hunt forums are a little echo chambery. You know? I um I, I, I get a lot of hunters agreeing with me about that. I get a lot of, I get, I, I, I encounter a lot of people that don't like that. So uh, yeah, I think that that wasn't a representative sample, you know? Um, There's a new phrase, a new phrase is poaching for content because that seems to
1: be what's going on oh, on yeah. learning
0: TV, you know? <laughs>
1: um, I, I, I agree with you though. There's, there's a lot of people that would love to shoot an elk yeah
0: yeah it's like i don't give a shit i'm gonna shoot me four of them because i'm a freaking badass you know <laughs> yeah it's it's nonsense uh i we should probably wrap this up but this was such a great i don't if people if people don't like this podcast then i'm done if they don't like this episode that's it i am because this this is about as good as guests as I could have and this is about as good of a job as I could do. So, um this Oh man, this is the litmus test right here. If my if, if I don't if I don't if I don't peak over 60 viewers on this one, then screw it, I'm done. Um well, so I I, I really do it, yeah, all joking aside, Jim, I really do appreciate you taking the time. It's been a it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate the work you put into it and I hope that we can keep uh, collaborating on this stuff.
1: Yeah, Matt, I, I, I enjoyed talking to you. i enjoyed, you know, going back and forth and, and uh, chatting with you. And, and uh, again, I'll, I'll reiterate, I think there are more people out there than you know, that agree with you that are concerned about the future of hunting. And I think, I think as time goes on the supporters will grow and hopefully we can be part of protecting hunting for our kids and my kids and their kids and so on and so forth. Um, and I think it's worth, worth doing, even if it's futile, I think it's still worth it, man.
0: Time will tell. We will have to just, do our best and see where it goes and there will be when when i'm an old man and hunting is destroyed i can point back to when i was 51 and i i um, uh, and i threw myself on the sword you know in an effort to save it and i can It'll be just like this very satisfying, I told you so.
1: so. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. You, you hate to be, you know, the guy in the corner waiting to tell you I told you so. Um, oh, I'll love it. I'll
0: <laughs> cherish it. I think that's really, that's really why I'm doing it. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you so much, Jim. Uh, we'll be in touch. Uh, it was
1: great talking with you. You too, man. I appreciate you, man. All right. Take care. Take care, buddy.